all summer we have been walking through Romans alongside Matthew. Uh, and through Romans, Paul has been teaching us about the love of Christ, uh, his sacrifice, salvation uh, by grace through faith, not as something that we earn um, or that we do to, um, to be good enough to receive, nor as a free pass <laughs> to do whatever we please um, because of his grace. By no means. He says, of course not. Paul told us numerous times. Um, it's not a free pass just to keep on doing those things. Paul also reminds us of our human need for Jesus and the underlying sin nature that exists in humans. Um, sometimes we're just programmed to want what we want, when we want it, how we want it. Um, think of Willy Wonka and Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, but Daddy, I want it now. Sometimes we can get into that, into that mindset. So Paul was walking us through all of those, uh, reminding us that we're no longer slaves to fear or to sin, but we're adopted sons and daughters, not to fall back into slavery to those things, um, but to live forward in him, to declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead. He reminded us that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in prayer, that there is nothing that can separate us from God's love. Amen. The beauty and completeness of his love, compassion, and mercy, and his grace as he moves us forward. So all of that was building up to through our walk through Romans and also um, as we walked through Matthew. Um, our gospel reading today recounts Peter declaring that Jesus is Lord, the promised Messiah, the living Son of God in the flesh. Jesus then affirms Peter's confirmation. Peter, who was a fisherman, who walked alongside Jesus, who sat under his teaching and still would go left and right in other ways, um, who took part in the many miracles that we walked through this summer. Um, it was quick to jump out of the boat and walk to Jesus. Um, and here, Peter has reached the point where he knows and he knows that he knows that Jesus is Lord, uh, that he is the Messiah who was at the beginning, is present with us now, and who is to come in glory as we share in the Apostles' Creed and all throughout the Bible. So we're at this place now in Romans 12 where Paul is about to make a shift. So those first 11 chapters through Romans, he's been walking through the gospel of God's salvation and clarifying so many aspects of our relationship with Jesus and grace and um, correcting people's mindset about the law and how you earn things or earn to be good enough uh, for him. And now he's about to make a turn uh, for us. He's about to move to answer the question, so what is our response? And that's where we pick up here. Um, some versions begin with, um, therefore, this one we're reading out of NLT begins with and so. So it's because of all those things that he just walked us through in chapters 1 through 11 that now, that, that we pick up and we walk into now. So he's making this turn to what is our response? How do we live in light of that? So let's read our passage. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give to each of you this morning 
Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each has a special function, so it is with God's body, with Christ's body, the church. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness or mercy to others, do it gladly. So have you ever thought about the lenses and filters that you see and hear and receive things to and respond out of? Because that's what this passage is going to walk us through. Um, we all have those, those things that we filter how we, how we view the world, how we hear a conversation, how we hear a comment. Um, it then affects our modus operandi, like how we do things, how we react, and how we respond. There's, our whole life experiences play into those good things, bad things, things that we've done successfully, things that we haven't, and they all affect our perspective. So that when sometimes someone says, hey, we tried it this way, we might hear, well, I'm doing it wrong again. <laughs> That's not necessarily what someone is saying. So be aware of that as we walk through this and think about what are those lenses and filters that influence how you see and hear and receive from others. So it begins then with give your bodies as a living sacrifice. Well, that's no small task, <laughs> is it right? Uh, so what does he mean by that? Um, what does he mean? He talks about being holy and um, holy and pleasing to him. So what he's what Paul is saying is to be willing to give give all of us to God and to His purposes, our body, our mind, our soul, our lives. As we live, our lives become a living, not dying, living sacrifice uh, for Him. All that we are, all that we do, um, not to give necessarily to people that would demand of us, but as God calls us to. So he then goes on to say, um, or I guess I want to speak to um, being holy and pleasing. Because holy is a, that's a pretty high bar, right? <laughs> uh, so be holy as I am holy, uh, that scripture says. Um, we're chosen, we're set apart. Like, what, How do we live like that? Does that mean that we have to be perfect in everything that we are and everything that we do? And that's, we'll never be that We'll never be that this side of heaven, but we, we move towards that. We try and grow and allow him to grow us into the likeness of Jesus uh, as we are as we are moving and that we are set apart, that we don't have to be and act and respond uh, as the world does. Um, and seeking to be holy is not a self-righteous, pious, I'm better than somebody else, look how good I am kind of holiness. It's that humble uh, the humility uh, of Jesus, and we'll spend some more time talking about that. And the way we do that is just seeking him and his kingdom. So he goes on to say, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Uh, some versions say, do not conform. So what does that mean? So don't 
copy the behaviors and customs that say that we push others down to get ahead or to elevate ourselves or that it's a race to accumulate power or wealth or things or accolades or approval. <laughs> um, it's the culture that says that we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want, uh, seek whatever we want. And we do have freedom in this life and Jesus gives us more freedom than we can even think or imagine. Uh, but it's what he's challenging us here is we don't have to conform to the way everybody else or many other people choose to live and react and respond in this world in the face of things that are good and in the presence of things that are really, really hard that we sometimes walk through in life. Um, in Psalm 139, God says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? We are. Um, so as we think about life and others around us, you know, we can compare ourselves to other people and we see our flaws and we see the things that are broken, but remembering that truth, we are fearfully and wonderfully made in Him just as we are um, with intention for this time and this place. In Genesis 1.27, um, it says that we are made in His image, not Barbies, not Ken's. No, I haven't seen the movie yet. But, I don't. <laughs> um, but, but that we are made in His image, uh, and we can we can live out of that place. So again, not copying or transforming, or I'm sorry, conforming to the to the behaviors and the customs of this world, but to be transformed, a new way of thinking. This says into. Let me read it exactly the way it says into a new person. Right. So it's like. Right wow, God, do I really want you to make me into somebody brand new? <laughs> uh, and what he's saying is here is his word and his power and his love and his grace can transform the way we think, those filters and those lenses and those patterns that influence how we see things. So um, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago, I shared a little bit about uh, a woman, a, a, a gentleman by the name of William Yuri. Um, in a book called The Third Sight, and I talked about that third perspective that he talks about seeking and how God used that to teach me to look for his perspective in situations and conflicts and other things. And so I want to share a story that he shares as part of, uh, as part of his work in this area. He, um, he goes around the world helping to negotiate peace amid conflicts and things that are really challenging and difficult. So here's the story. So a father passes away and leaves 17 camels to his three sons to be distributed as follows. To the oldest, he gives a half. To the second son, he gives a third. To the youngest son, the third son, he gives a ninth. It's not for us to decide what's fair, what's not. That's how, that's how it was set up. Uh, and so the brothers are negotiating how to, or trying to, to figure out how to do this because 17 doesn't divide in half by a third or by a ninth evenly. So they're stuck battling how to divide and things are feeling unfair and they're, they're reaching this impasse that they can't figure out. Um, they don't want to destroy camels. They don't want to destroy their relationships in the process. So they decide to seek the wisdom of an older woman in their village. So they go to see her. And um, so they present the, the story to her. She thinks about it for a little while and she looks at them and she said, I don't think I can solve this for you, but if it would help, I'm willing to give you my camel. So she gives them a camel. And now they leave and they have 18 camels. And so the oldest brother takes his half, which is nine. 
The second takes his third, which is six. The youngest gets his ninth, which is two. Nine plus six is 15, plus two is 17. They have one camel left over and they give it to the woman. So do you see what happened here? They were so close to their situation, all they could see was that what they were gonna get wasn't fair. They ended up having more doing the division, but they, all, they already had what they needed. The solution was in front of them, but the perspective that they were in was feeling really unfair, and they couldn't see what that solution might be. So we can be so close to our situation, and we can be stuck in our own perspective, and can't see more than what's right in front of us. And that's where we can seek God's perspective. So over the last five years since I came across this TED Talk and then got the book and then just God would just, you know, they talk about going to the balcony, but for me, God was like, this is the third side that I want you to see. And um, so I'm constantly, God, show me what you see. I'm hearing this and this is really frustrating or it's, it's calling into question my whatever. Um, so show me what you see because our perspective is limited by what's around us, and again, by those lenses and filters that have been uh, created over the course of our life. So I pray for those, um, for his perspective and things. But what about you? Think about situations that you're in or expectations. Uh, are there things that constantly rub you a certain way? Um, that might be something to spend some time with God about and say, God, show me what this thing is because it's really hurtful and it's hard. Uh, and he'll, he'll show us. I mean, that's the beautiful thing because he wants to transform us, not to make us into something that we're not, that he didn't create. Remember, we're created in his image, beautifully and wonderfully made, knit together in our mother's womb. Like he, we are the way we are, but he wants to help transform the way we think and the way we see and the way that we respond in a way that brings life to us mm -hmm. and brings life to others around <laughs> us. I mean, this passage is huge. I mean, this is like the, there's, the Bible is this one wonderful, beautiful story of God's love for us, his creation for us, what he wants uh, in this world, his beauty, his love, his sacrifice. This passage is, I mean, we're talking about transformation, but it is life changing. Uh, it's been life-changing for me. I've seen it for other people too. Like he, he wants, he wants to help us see things in ways that are not fueled right. and bound up by the things that have hurt us in our lives, or the the coping mechanisms that we have developed over time that then influence the next thing, that then right. influence the next thing. Um, he wants to free us from that, and he can do that as we draw close to him and dive into his word um, and listen and engage in community to begin to, to begin to be aware of those things and then say, okay, I'm believing this lie about myself that is not what you say, God. You say I'm loved and I'm named and I'm known and I'm chosen and I'm equipped. I'm made in your image for purposes that you established a long time ago. But I'm believing this lie. I, wanna, I don't want to believe that lie anymore. And it's not something that we do in our own power and strength. It's something that he helps us do, that he does. So you, 
you'll get to a point where you know, someone will be like, why are you not freaking out about this situation? I know. Or why are you? <laughs> and there, there have been those moments. There was one, I misplaced my phone one day and I was in a store and they were getting ready to close and they weren't going to be open for three days. And I'm like, well, if you find it, whatever. She's like, I can't believe you're not freaking out. I'm like, what can I, I mean, what can you do about it at that point in time, right? I, I didn't, I had it. <laughs> um, it worked out to be fine, but she was, she was just looking at me and she's like, why aren't you so upset? I'm like, it is, it is what it is. I should have paid more attention, whatever. So, um, but I don't do that all the time. Uh, but he enables us to approach things and situations in life in different ways. So then he then enables us to stop to offer a hand, a kind word, um, yes. a word of grace or encouragement to someone not to look good or build ourselves up, um, but to point to the one who is Amen. and who does, Amen. right? And then Paul goes on to say, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this morning. We don't like to hear these, right? Um, don't think of yourselves as better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. It's saying don't puff yourself up because then we get into the comparison game, right? He says, he's encouraging us to have the mind of Christ in Philippians 2, and Eduardo preached on this the, the weekend in April that we first came to visit when God was drawing us drawing us here. Um, this Philippians passage, Paul says, therefore, if you have any encouragement for being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. In your relationships with others, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Talk about how we interact with one another. What's, um, what was that? In those situations, I am, that's in Philippians 2. Um, it is verses, let me see, 2. This thing probably starts at 2 to 8 is where I'm pulling this out of. We actually will be there in a few weeks. Uh, so we'll spend some more time in this passage. But, but this is what Paul's talking about here. He's like, he's not trying to belittle us, but at the same time, he's saying, be humble and honest. Be sober-minded. Be willing to open your heart and say, God, I'm feeling this way, and I think I'm right. Yeah. Um, but there's this thing going on. What do you see? Right? And he will do that. And But we can't receive that if we're not willing to humble ourselves in order to hear it and to listen and to consider that there might be another perspective besides my own. <laughs> uh, so, and we're, we're just, we're programmed to protect ourselves, right? Um, so, so, but this is what he's saying. And um, so just to, to keep that in mind, not to think higher of ourselves. Again, he's starting to make the turn to talk about the body of the church, how we together are his body. We're a team. Yes, we are a team. We are. And God has brought all of us here in this time, in this place, in this generation, for a reason. He, we're here in Brunswick for a reason. Amen. Uh, and it's his reason, and it's his purpose, and he works together in us and through us. Um, so as we start to, he makes the, he makes the shift in verse four, and he uses this analogy of, of a body that has individual parts, that, um, but that all have their own function. There's, he does this also in one of the letters to the Corinthians where he spends a lot more detail. We can't be all arms, we can't be all eyes, um, but it's the same kind of thing. Like we are, um, just as bodies have many parts, 
um, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to one another. Um, so he's laying the groundwork for them. So he's come out of the gospel and what it means and how we live forward and let him renew us. And then it's laying the groundwork for his church in this world and how we interact with one another through that. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing different things well. Amen. We all have things that we do well. Yeah that God has put inside each of us, and they're different, and they're unique, and they're intentional, and they're special, Amen. and they're needed, and they matter Amen. in this world, and they matter Amen. in our families, and they matter in the body Amen. of our church. Amen. Yeah, and so, um, and then he goes on to list a few. This is not an exhaustive list. Um, there are more in, um, in 1 Corinthians 12. You'll find more in Ephesians and other places throughout the Bible, but what we know is that God gives everybody, all of his believers, uh, through the Holy Spirit, Amen. spiritual gifts um, to um, to be used. And so he goes on to say, if your gift is serving, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. And we walked through all of these. But to, to recognize your gifts, have you ever thought about being gifted by God in some way, yeah. intentionally, for a purpose? Amen. Sort of. If you ask him, he'll show you. Um, but even if you look back at you, you look back at um, at things that naturally flow from you. Learn to exercise them, to use them in love and service to others. I uh, think about um, as a child, like in second grade, um, I would go down to the first grade classroom and help some of the students that were struggling to read. Um, the teacher would have, I would just spend some time with a little magnetic board with words and letters and, and things like that from the time I was little. Um, that was one of the things. Or there's, like, I just have this, like, visceral need drawn when someone is in pain or someone has a need. Yeah. Um, walking through the airport sometimes that drives my family crazy. <laughs> um, I was like, I need to help. I need to help. Yeah. Um, so I don't always need to help. So like, self-control comes from God too. Um, but, but those are those are ways that He's wired me uniquely, and He's done that with with each of you. So Paul's teaching us and He's encouraging us. So what do we learn from this? We learn to offer our whole being, our bodies, our lives as a living sacrifice to him, whatever it is that we do vocationally or that we do uh, in our communities and for serving, like he, we can live as vessels of his love and hope and compassion and kindness in this world. Um, we know that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that, that God wants to help renew our mind, to change what we see, to, to just clean off those filters and things that obscure what we see and we receive and again how we might hear just an innocent comment that hurts and it's real hurt I'm not suggesting that we make any of that up but those are real things and but we can if we will stop we can look back and see patterns and he wants to help change those patterns for us so that we can live forward in peace and strength and hope and wisdom and goodness amen um, he encourages us, he gives us a warning and a challenge, right? To um, honestly assess ourselves, our hearts, our motivations. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I responding in this way? Why am I not responding in this way? Um, he, Paul challenges us 
encourages us, not in a bad way, but encourages us to be honest with ourselves because then we can, um, it just allows him to give up, to stretch our perspective and to lift. Again, they had 17 camels, they ended with 17 camels, they all got what they needed, but they needed the 18th camel to make it work for them in that story. So God will lift, um, will lift our perspective and help us to see something that maybe we can't see because we're so close. And to remember to be aware of pridefulness, right? James says God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Um, not to let pride, pride is a snare. Like we can get totally caught up in self-promotion and, um, and self-elevation and offense and being offended and staying offended. Um, and we just get bound up. I just put this right back into slavery of yeah. fear and sin and all the other things that come that come along with that. Yeah, but so uh, he helps us to gratefully look around and to see each person here with the purpose with purposes that they have, gifts unique to them that are all necessary and important. And then through faith and grace to receive those gifts that he gives each one of us uh, to use them for. Um, for goodness in this world and to help others in his name. Yeah. Wow. So if you thought about what those are for you, um, there are um, different inventories that you can do, different things to help discover those, uh, reflect, happy to help walk through too, but don't doubt for a minute that you are beautifully gifted and wonderfully gifted. Um, so what does it mean to have um, a mind renewed? So changing a lifetime of patterns and thinking. In addition to how we think and receive and hear, the other side of that that is really important that sometimes it's hard to think about is um, how, we, how we reward ourselves. What are our patterns and things for how do we relax when we're feeling stressed out? Or how do we get a break? Or what are the things, not that any of the things necessarily are bad in them for themselves, but it becomes the only way and they build, so whether it's shopping or social media or a glass of wine or what, whatever, again, none of those in and of themselves are bad, but when they become the only thing to crutch, they can then limit us. And so being honest with them, um, yeah, all the, all the different things. I can't tell you the number of cinnamon rolls that I was gnashing on through the course of the week. I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I feeling stressed? Um, but I've at least learned that I can start to see in my behaviors before I'm aware of things in my mind and my heart, right. that there's something going on. It's like, why are you doing this? Okay, stop. What are you, what are you trying to fill up? So, but he alone can help break those for us right. and to transform our thinking, to transform our patterns in the way we interact with one another, in the way we um, think about things, and in the way we seek to get through the days and the weeks. That's why like Jesus prays all the time. All the time. Jesus He's was like, constantly okay, going off praying. <laughs> I need to go be with the Father. Yeah. But so he works with us to do work in us so that he can do things through us. Amen. Yeah. So we are, um, our lives are a living sacrifice. Our bodies, the gifts that he graciously gives us our bodies and one body together, but life in our lane, not comparing True. to others' lives, because it's so easy to compare. And there's one last story that I want to share that I, I think is can, can illustrate. So there is a water carrier, some of you may have heard this before, but a water carrier 
who goes down to the river to fetch water. So he has a pole that he carries on his shoulder and two pots, one on each side, and he fetches the water and he walks it up the hill into the master's house. Um, and he does this every day. And as he does it, there's, um, he fills both pots up and one of them is fully intact and secure and the other one is, um, has some cracks in it. And so water escapes. And so by the time he gets up to the house, each day he has one and a half um, pitchers, pots of water is the equivalent of what he has. And over time, the shame becomes so much, we're personifying here, the pot, the, the pot that has the cracks in it and the flaws, the shame becomes so much because he sees the other one is completely full and by the time he gets up, no matter how hard he tries, he just sees the water dripping, dripping out. And it's so much to bear and he suggests to the carrier that he just be destroyed and eliminated and replaced with a pot that can bring all the water up. And so the water carrier says, when we go get the water this morning, I want you to look not at the water, how it's escaping, I want you to see where the water is landing. So they walk up the hill, one more day, the sun is coming down, and all and, and the pot looks down all along the path, only on the left side. Um, it's this beautiful array of flowers, every color, all different sizes, all the way up, it just ushers people into the master's house. And you go inside and on the table, this beautiful bouquet and vase full of flowers on the table that come because the water is falling as they're walking through. So it, when we look at our imperfections, that's all we see. But God uses every bit of us, things that are good, things that are bad, things that have been hard wounds, scars that we carry for good things. So this pot that was feeling like it should be destroyed and not used and had absolutely no purpose has a beautiful purpose, um, beautiful purpose. So he enables us to share goodness and beauty and light and light throughout our lives. Um, we don't have to be stuck in bitterness or anger. We don't have to let the traumas and the difficult things in our life keep us bound up or in despair or just stuck. We can get stuck in our lives and we don't have to conform to the ways. We don't have to conform to the ways that people say, well, you should be better. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? We don't, we don't have yeah. to be. God, not that we just choose not to be, he heals. Like, as we approach God, like he wants to heal those broken things in our lives. And yeah, we may have cracks and scars and flaws and all the things that come along with that. But he wants to heal. He wants to help us to be whole and to walk. And what we know is that we are not alone. Amen. That he is with us every step. Amen. So he's called us to this place. We are one body. We are gifted um, in many different ways. Um, look to him to discover those and allow him to grow them Amen. in your life. And these aren't things that we muster up, that we have to figure out how to do. All we have to do is draw close to him, draw near. Um, it, I think this is in James 2, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Um, it's a promise and he does. We draw near to him, we draw near to his word, to the Christian community that he surrounds us with. 
that he's blessed us with and talk to him in prayer, and we come to him with a willing heart and allow him to share his love and to heal those places. And it doesn't, it's not like a magic wand goes and, oh, all better. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but it's, you know, it's a step at a time. But it starts with, um, with being willing to, um, to open ourselves up and to stop guarding those yes. places in our hearts. And sometimes we're like, okay, I'll give you this much. Mm-hmm. And then I'll give you this much. It's, sometimes it's incremental, but he's patient. And he is with us. Amen. And he wants to heal. So we can welcome his healing love, his grace, his peace to guard our hearts, to guard our minds. He will show us the way. He is the way. Our Savior, our Redeemer, our friend, our guide, our comforter, our healer, our all in all. He loves you. I do too. So let's pray. God, you are so good and powerful and present here with us. God, we thank you for the life of Paul. We thank you for the gifts that you equipped him uniquely with. And while he was going one direction with them, you stopped him and turned them the other way. Uh, We thank you that you did that. We thank you for his word, for his passion for you, his zeal and his love for you, that we might understand you, that we might know how much and how deeply you love us, that we might understand all that you've done for us and the way that you guide us and that you want nothing more than to heal our lives, to help to transform the way that we think so that we can live where peace abounds and joy abounds regardless of our situations because sometimes we walk through some really, really hard stuff. But we know that you want to give us um, healing. You want to offer us perspective and new ways uh, that we might live holy, W-H-O-L, and holy uh, in you, because of you, and for you. Lord, we just um, thank you for every person here. Thank you for the ways that you've gifted us. Help us to discover those, uh, to let you grow them in us to flourish. Um, And as we bring the the kiddos up, Lord, we pray the same thing for each of them as they prepare to start this school year, too. Um, So, Lord, we just thank you for your presence, for your love, for the privilege of being yours. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.